Sabbatical is escape, and so it should be, I think. It's, uh, I keep describing it as that sorbet between meals, that chance to clear the palate, clear the worries, clear the mind, clear the stresses, all of that stuff. But after the sorbet, the next course comes, and you've got to get back in with a knife and fork, as we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. Two things um, among many I was not looking forward to coming back to. One of them was the polarization of our culture. In everything that we do, there's this, and people would now be writing very um, generally, and lots of people use it, that we're a very polarized culture. We take very polarized views about things, and we hold to the polarized views, and very rarely do we get um, the gray areas or... Uh, deeper discussion um, in all kinds of different ways. Um, whether um, it's Twitter, or I think Twitter's a little bit more harsh than Facebook might be, but I've seen some of us um, in some pretty venomous discussions on Facebook. But there is a venomous, hurtful diatribes of social media spirit in the air. I didn't miss that. Much as I was glancing at it when we had Wi-Fi, which thankfully was not all the time, I was able to avoid it. I was able to stay clear of much of it. The adversarial radio programs that we have in particularly our country, where the polarization is the way we liturgically start every day, instead of the bells of worship, we worship at just people shouting at each other on Radio Ulster. And even in everyday conversations, there can be this polarization. And what it does and what I've thought about, because I probably thought about this when I was away because I was coming back to it, the thing that causes me most concern in it all is how we are dehumanizing each other with the polarization. We dehumanize anybody that doesn't really think like us we can dismiss them, we can be hurtful to them, we can see them as a statistic or uh, whatever it is we see, there is a a dehumanizing thing going on. In fact, if we looked at our world, I suppose, as I would see it from a minister's point of view, the culture has changed significantly in my lifetime, and this is not even a word or two words being put together, but a de-deifying view of God taking uh, the transcendent out of our conversation is there in our, uh, we want to be a secular country. I thought it was interesting that the new Australian Prime Minister who grew up through Hillsong said, we're not a Christian country, nor are we a secular country. Um, and, but we, people think we are or hope that we can be and think that that might be better. The de-deifying view of God, but also the dehumanizing of ourselves. Yes, we fought on race and we fought on gender. We're even fought, fighting on LGBT that we'll come to later on. But in the polarization of the arguments, the dehumanization, I suggest, might be the sin of this generation. We have our Northern Ireland version, and Lawrence has prayed for us to come back into Stormont. But our parties are just polarized, blaming everybody else. And I'm fed up, and I blogged about it, I'm fed up seeing loyalists or unionists who put up all kinds of stuff that says 
Republicans did this to us. They did this to us. They did this to us. We list and list and list what the other side did to us. And the Republicans who do the same on the other side and tell us what the British Army or Unionists or Loyalists did to them, what we're looking for in a world that's seeking peace and seeking a way forward is the ability to say, you did this to us and we did this to you. And there's a complicity on both sides. But in a polarized world where we don't get that, and that polarized world suggests to me the likelihood of us getting back into government for a while is not likely because nobody's prepared to jump into the gray in between. So the polarization of our world. And then what I would call the theologism within Christianity, which is the polarization of the world made theological. We polarize it again. A theologist to me is the equivalent of a racist. A theologist is someone who holds to such a purity of theology that if you hold one little thing different than they hold, then you can be dismissed. You can be made feel less. You can be bullied. You don't get invited to the gatherings anymore. Theologism. It dehumanizes, and it dehumanizes within the church. Those were two things that I just was not looking forward to coming home to. And then, of course, just before I went away, the June General Assembly opened up the can of worms, the elephant in the room, maybe, even here in Fitzroy. Whether it's the break with the Church of Scotland whether it's the decision that the children of gay parents can't come to baptism, maybe even the way that was done, maybe even the wording or the public debate, the polarized debate that went on after it, it tore apart long-held relationships with the mother church, if the Church of Scotland could be dared to be called that, but certainly that's where we come from. It shattered PCI's public image. Um, just the next week, I was in Marks and Spencer's. Yes, yes, I was. And, um, um, and I had my last year's, in fact, it might have been the new Uganda hoodie. And I got Rev on mine instead of my initials. And I, just as I walked around, had had a 10-minute difficult conversation uh, with a, a Presbyterian friend who was going to leave. And I suddenly realized that we've been exposed in some way and I didn't want somebody saying, you're a rev, what church are you a rev in? Public image. It's fractured PCI. And there's letters have been going to the press and letters have been going to the moderator. And it could very easily tear this community in two. The community that I look out at now with incredibly deep love, very precious community, precious community not only to those of us who have been able to be part of it, but a precious community to those who've never been here through the doors. I've probably told you before, but Tony McCauley that writes the books, he was doing a reading here one night and he was walking around the side of the church and he said to me, this is my first time. No, he says, Fitzroy has meant so much to me in my life. 
And this is the first time I will go through the doors. This community means so much to so many people that have never even been through the doors. And as I went off in June, I didn't know who would be still in the pews when I came back. It's been a fractious disagreement. And it wasn't just theological. Because some of us hurt deeply because of it. Because some of us have gay friends. Some of us, there are members of our family that are gay. Some of us are gay. And we hurt deeply. I had emails and phone calls. I had people at the doors of Fitzroy wanting to, well, one person at the door of Fitzroy wanting to talk to me. Session received three letters from members of the congregation. I received others that have already, some of them gone to uh, the General Assembly. And maybe all of us have struggled just to have the conversation with the person in work or somebody we know because for some reason we got ourselves into a very difficult situation. And then some of us in Fitzroy are wondering what the fuss is about because we have held views for a very long time on homosexuality and nothing really was said. Maybe the way it was said, but the, the result of what it was said maybe didn't surprise us. Some of us are living in a world where everything you used to believe to be right is being turned in its head and you're being told that it's wrong. And for some of us, that's difficult. We're trying to wrestle with that. How can this happen? And of course in Uganda I tried to ignore this. And in Uganda, sitting all the way down the road was that first session meeting last Thursday night when we would have to open this up. And we did open it up. And we heard your letters. And we conversed and we were honest. And we need to be more honest. And we need to find a way through. And there's two things I want to bring into the midst of this before I wind it up in a moment and we come round communion. The first is the question we asked earlier on, which is the key question in everything we do. Who do you say that I am? Jesus says, who do you say that I am? We as a congregation need to keep that in the forefront of our mind. Who is Jesus? How did Jesus live? What would Jesus do? How can we learn from Jesus? How can we think about Jesus in the context of the narrative of Scripture from Genesis through to Revelation? Who, what do we think about God, Tozer said, the most important thing about us? And as we, deal, as, we, as we are in the midst of this, we need to keep that in the forefront of our heads. The second thing is we need to be asking ourselves, who are we? Who are we? What is the church? And what is this church? What is Fitzroy? Who are we? What's our identity? That's why I was glad when one of our elders pointed me to Romans chapter 12 to think about for today. There's three things and I'm not going to preach on them. We could do it in three different sermons and I could do 40 minutes in all three, but we're not going to do that. The first thing about Romans 12 that uh, June didn't read for us and the first part of it is this worship 
that is not conforming to the pattern of the world around us. Having something that transcends. We need to not be conformed by the polarization or the theologism that's around us. The culture outside of our church will squeeze us and sometimes there's cultures within our church will squeeze us and can I say honestly and openly there's sometimes when the cultures within Fitzroy will try to squeeze us and our job Paul tells us at the start of this is to transcend that and find the mind of God and the mind of Christ be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then as we go down through Romans 12 we find what the church looks like It's all those different people that I'm looking out at now. It's a jigsaw of people. And it's a jigsaw of people that come together. The gifts you have. The age you are. The traditions you come from. The places you come from. Your experience of church up until now. Your experience of church when you've been in Fitzroy. What you do in Fitzroy. What you do outside Fitzroy. It's this what I always jokingly called a menagerie of people. Romans tells us about that in some way. Though it's concentrating on the gifts. It's the identity of the church. It was never meant to be. And can I say, if you want a liberal church, don't come to Fitzroy because we're not all liberal in Fitzroy. And if you want a conservative church, don't come to Fitzroy because we're not all conservative in Fitzroy. If you want a church that tries to hold those things in tension, we are the best place to start that I think you'll find on this little island. But that's hard to hold together at times like this. And that's what I long that we would do. And I think that Paul gives us some clues to that when he moves out of what the church looks like to that loving from the center of who we are. Eugene Peterson says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. And we don't need to fake the debate that we're going to have in this church about those issues in June. And that's something that the the, the session are going to take a lot time over we're going to meet at the end of September for a morning we're going to spend a morning doing it and before we do that we're going to ask all of you to come and pray with us as we start that process we're going to think long and hard about it we're going to hear each other in session and then we will want to be at some stage of this process listening to you and what your views are and how you maybe need to share what you feel about it we don't need to fake the love we don't need to come in and say hello how are you we've had a good week We need to be honest about the love. This is what Paul's telling us is the way to keep the identity of church together. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Get along with each other. When one laughs, we all laugh. When one shares our tears, we're all down, is how Eugene puts it. And some of us weep. And so we all weep, but we all try to find a way to hold together the wonderful, wonderful variety that was within this building right now. So what am I asking? I'm longing that we would hold this together. I'm longing that we wouldn't let it go. Our breadth is our strength. If we can hold those differences together, then we model something that's significant in a polarized world and a theologist church. We need to be patient with each other. You need to be patient with session as we open this up. We need to be patient as we listen to each other and give opportunities to listen to each other. What I would ask you is don't give up on membership because maybe you're thinking, well, a Presbyterian, that brand at the minute is not good and I don't really want. Can I ask any of us? I would almost ask us to stand up because I don't think anybody would. Is anybody seriously here because they saw a Presbyterian on the board outside and thought, I want to join a Presbyterian church, so I'm going to go to Fitzroy? I really don't think we did. 
I think we're bigger than Presbyterian. We are Presbyterian and we're linked with Presbyterian, but I think we're something bigger. I think we see this table, as I mention it every month, is not the Presbyterian table. This is not the Fitzroy table. This is the table of Jesus himself who invites us to come. We are a Christian followers of Jesus' church. Let's not protest in disappearing or giving up membership. And don't think that withdrawing from communion is in any way a way to make a statement because this communion is Jesus saying to you, come and be blessed. Might even push it sentimentally and say, come and have a hug. Come and sense connection with my body and blood. Come and the mystery of this sacrament might just bless you. Don't remove yourself from that blessing. So I'm asking you to hold resolutely with patience. I'm asking you to be more than a member. I'm asking you to commit yourself. Eugene puts it in 12, 11 and 13. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians be inventive in hospitality. In a polarized culture, in a theologist Christianity, it's not easy. Many of us are hurting. And many of us are hurting on both sides of this issue. And I'm asking us as a congregation, and I'm praying to God that we would be seeking to be transformed. People coming from different places with different opinions being made one in Christ so that we can make some witness into a polarized culture and a theologist world, a theologist Christianity. So please stay with us. Be patient with us and we promise as a session that we really are going to open these things up and look at them really deeply and involve you in that process as we go. And if you know somebody beside you hurting, hurt with them. Let's pray together. Lord, we are more than the issues that were debated in that one aspect of the General Assembly. We're so much more. Fitzroy is so much more. And so I pray you would show us the so much more that we are and that we would celebrate who we are. We would find a new impetus in the uniqueness of our community and that we would commit to being more than members, that we would commit to being people who would serve one another, who would love one another from the center who would be committed to one another, who would laugh with each other and be happy with each other when there's reason to celebrate, but who would weep with each other as we cry and weep and mourn. Lord, be in our midst. Keep us together. Be the ligaments, be the bones, be the skeleton that allows us to live as the people of God in Fitzroy.
We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.